to the Ludogogi podcast, your monthly games-based learning earworm. We are Antonis and Sarah, and we'll be hosting this podcast. <laughs> so let's start with introducing one another. I guess that makes sense. Um, Sarah, who are you? So I'm Sarah Leferve. I wear a number of hats, one of which is games-based learning designer, something I've been doing for a number of years. Um, I'm also, I also facilitate, I facilitate my own, uh, games-based learning, uh, creations, but also, um, I offer a number of other sort of third party things. Um, I'm particularly, um, excited to be able to offer Revive, the leadership game, um, which is created by one of our, one of our good friends, Mosin Memon. Um, so that's a, that's a great game, um, for getting your team together and seeing how far they can work together to save themselves from um, existential threats like the end of the world. And I could definitely recommend it. Um, I do things, also do things like uh, Lego Serious Play. I've created dozens of learning games over the year, and there's, there's very many of them that I'm really, really proud of. Uh, so an example of that from some time ago was uh, when creating a sustainability leadership learning program um, for a corporate audience. Um, I got a bunch of senior leaders in a bank to... Uh, role play being a pond and uh, the one of the learning outcomes around that was very much work-based it was around uh, getting to uh, outcomes around how diversity in teams really helps with things like innovation ideation um, and and problem solving uh, but also I was really proud of the way that by stealth I managed to sort of get into there how human beings are impacting delicate ecosystems Uh, and it really got them thinking about how their products and how the way they work uh, might be contributing to those those kinds of impacts. So that was something I was particularly proud of. Um, something that I'm very proud of that I'm creating at the moment, I've just published on uh, an app called Deckable, um, is a card deck-based game. Um, I'm very, very keen um, on the idea of narrative-based games. Um, and this is a, a set of storytelling prompts, which could be just used as storytelling prompts, but are also designed to, a speculative fiction works very well, um, to get people to think about what it is to be human, all of those big questions about being human, how we treat other people who aren't like us, um, who makes the rules and how those rules are made and what, what they feed into. And that's a game called the Museum of Impossible Objects, uh, which invites us to ask difficult philosophical questions through a lens of, weird fiction. So if you think scruples, but with added Lovecraft, that just about sums it up. Um, what else can I tell you? So in addition to all of that, I'm also the editor of Ludagogy magazine, uh, which is the host of this podcast and where um, the podcast will be published each month alongside all the other places it will be available. Uh, Ludagogy is written by and for games-based learning and gamification professionals. Uh, Antonis also asked me to come up with a fun or unexpected fact about me. So this might not mean something to the younger people in the audience, but my fun or unexpected fact is when I was a student, I used to work as Ian Dury's dresser. Wow. <laughs> And how about you, Antonis? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I guess uh, it makes sense that we're working together because I'm also <laughs> uh, somebody that wears many hats, sometimes at the same time. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, one of my hats and probably the primary one is that of a trainer, facilitator and consultant. I'm, I've been doing this for more than a decade, mostly for international youth work NGOs. And, um, this is more or less how I 
also got introduced into gamification first and then game space learning. Uh, I realized at one point that I was basically instinctively using a lot of methods to increase engagement to the engagement of my participants that were more or less based on the psychology of games. So that was before I even realized uh, that games have quite a detailed psychology, uh, a detailed approach to psychology that enables this um, enables the players to constantly keep playing and taking desired actions. So when I got more aware of it, which was <laughs> through a very, very practical uh, way, I basically was invited to create activities for a for a culture uh, based youth exchange uh, that already had the activities there they just wanted to work with me and they said you know what we already have all the activities that we want the participants to be uh, learning about culture from but we really want to work with you so figure something out <laughs> and i basically came up with um an overlay of a role-playing uh game inspired uh process that would basically help the participants to uh, to be more motivated to participate in the everyday activities of the program uh, and to solidify the learning points from the program. So that's my, my first introduction explicitly into gamification in that sense was completely practical. And then I realized this is something I really enjoy doing. Let's learn more about gamification. That was like a well, five years ago. Uh, and then I started learning more about gamification and about uh, the, the great people behind it. And then through that, I started learning more about game design as well, which is the inspiration behind gamification. And uh, yeah, I started getting involved in game design as well. And now I love that as well. So uh, a couple of games that I've created recently were for two European Union projects. Uh, one was for... Um, climate change, and it was a collaborative board game for uh, raising awareness about climate change in a way that inspires people to to take action, like to create this hope that we can still do something about it through the game. Uh, I'm a co-author. I didn't design the whole game there. And the second one, again, as a co-author, is about um, crowdfunding for purpose-based um, businesses and social enterprises. So, yeah, I've basically co-authored a couple of board games. And, uh, yeah, that was the beginning of it. I'm, now I'm, I'm in the process of creating a lot more just as a result of that. I'm also a certified facilitator of eVive, for example. So, yeah, I have the hats so far of uh, a trainer, uh, of a gamification expert, and of a games designer. And during the pandemic, I also started loving podcasts, which is why uh, I started inserting podcasts and doing podcasts about everything else that I'm, I'm working on. So that's how I asked you, hey, how would you like to create the official podcast of Ludogogi together? And you were like, yes, let's do that. So this is where we are now. <laughs> Thanks a lot for that, um, Antonis. Um, okay, so um, what are we going to be doing? Yeah, that's that's a good question. So we created this podcast. Uh, there is this line that uh, you describe Ludogogi with, raising the profile of games-based learning practitioners. So let me ask you back the question. What is the purpose of the Ludogogi podcast? So throughout the many years that I've been working in games-based learning, and really before it was even called games-based learning, one of the things that um, has been a recurring theme 
um, is the difficulty in convincing people that games-based learning is something that is serious and something that can achieve real results and it's not just for kids and so on. Um, and that's the reason I created Ludagogi, the magazine, is one of one of the sort of uh, things that I wanted to achieve was, was raising the profile of games-based learning, uh, bringing people together who are practitioners so that together we could create this knowledge base, uh, this repository of articles and information that really shows what games-based learning can do and what it can achieve as a sensible and, and serious pedagogy in its own right, rather than being something that just funnifies learning. Um, I think one of the other things and the reason we've come together uh, over the years, you and I, Anthony, is that our own passion for games-based learning um, and games in general, um, for fun and for serious purposes. Um, and I think the podcast is a really good way of bringing that across and using that as a useful tool to get more people interested and get more people involved. Um, obviously, um, what we're going to be doing with this podcast is interviewing great games designers. So I, and I think that's really, really important when you're, uh, wanting to learn about a field and wanting to improve your practice is learning from the best. So that is the, one of the main purposes of Ludagogy is it's going to introduce people to some of the, the, the greats in games design. Um, and finally, because, um, we're all getting together and talking, um, and obviously later on we'll be talking about how people can get in touch. Um, this is a kind of community effort as well. So uh, one of the uh, main purposes of Ludagogy and, of course, the, the podcast going along with that is to bring people together, make new connections, uh, come up with new ideas that, that in the ways that we can only do by working together and inspiring each other. Yeah, relatedness is one of the uh, core motivators behind games and it's also talked a lot about in, in gamification. Absolutely. Core drive number five, isn't it? In the Optalysis framework. Exactly. Exactly. That's one of the many frameworks and one of my favorite <laughs> ones. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah. Maybe we should distinguish at this point the difference between games designed, uh, game design, gamification and game space learning. Maybe we can do, we can already give a snippet of uh, wisdom <laughs> from the first episode. Yes. I think probably the best we can do there is to give our particular viewpoint on that, because one of the things that no doubt you've come across the same as me is that the yeah. opinions on what these things mean differ widely across the field. So I can give you my my two penny worth and you can see how closely that aligns with you. So game-based learning is about using games themselves, um, actual full playful experiences in order to create uh, a learning environment for people. Gamification kind of pulls back a little way from that. Um, in that it, it kind of extracts the, the mechanisms, the kind of working parts of games and, and, and tacks them on to, um, a non, uh, game setting. But that might be learning. It might also be productivity in a workplace and so on. Uh, but they're not full games. They're not full game experiences. They might be things like, um, tracking your progress might be something that happens in a, in a non game setting. Um, but that is very much a kind of game mechanic that you would find um, in a game where you're using a, a tracker at, um, and you're moving a counter along to see how you're progressing. So to me, that's the difference between games and games-based learning. It's the, it's the level of immersion, I guess, um, and using elements in gamification rather than creating a full-blown play experience, which you would in a game. Yeah, yeah, I agree. 
for me as well, in short, I, I agree with you. I agree with your definition. In short, I would say that gamification is using elements and principles of games in non-gaming environments, and games-based learning is using games themselves as a tools for learning. The aim might be the same, but the how you achieve that aim is the distinctive difference between the two. I should say that there is no uh, better or worse. Like both are incredibly useful and incredibly viable in in learning, at least. Definitely. But uh, there is just a different way to achieve the same goal. And our, our main focus is going to be talking to games designers rather than gamification professionals. But that doesn't mean that gamification professionals can't take learning from that. Yeah, in fact, that's what got me into game design. Is um, I got to it through gamification. And um, by exploring how gamification works, which is uh, learning the, about all the elements, the, about the mechanics, about the dynamics, about the aesthetics, all the things that work in games in order to apply them into non-gaming environments. But that, that already has as a prerequisite that you understand how games work. So by studying games in order to improve my gamification practice, I <laughs> ended up being super motivated about game design directly. So. Yeah, that's what got me into it. So you can't really apply gamification without understanding at least the basics of games. That's very true. Very true indeed. Yeah. Um, obviously, this is audio only. Um, so um, Antonios can see my, my games shelf behind me, but very few other people can. I got into games-based learning purely because I just love games. <laughs> <laughs> and I was a learning practitioner. <laughs> And I always have, and I've never stopped. Yeah, we came more or less to the same, uh, yeah, the same road, but from different, the same crossroads, but for different uh, roads. <laughs> yeah, I was just, I was just a kid who'd never stopped playing board games. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, I would do the same. I love board games, and and I love video games as well. Like I really love playing. Yeah. Um, maybe we should talk about the the practicalities of the uh, podcast. So. Yep. So the audience can know what to expect, right? Yeah, absolutely. So when's it going to happen uh, and what's it going to look like? Right. So we'll be interviewing one game designer in every episode and we'll be releasing one episode every month. That's nice and simple. So, yeah, that settles <laughs> it, right? <laughs> nice and simple indeed. And each episode will be around half an hour, sometimes less, sometimes more. Good. Right. So getting straight to the point, eh? <laughs> Um, so let, let's move on to yeah. learning a bit more about each other so we can understand more about our motivation behind it. So you showed me your, uh, your library of games that uh, the audience will not see, but it's already quite inspiring. So let's, let's get to that. What's, what games do you love playing the most and why? Um, I think I, my favorite genre, if you like, is uh, light strategy. Um, and probably heavy strategy as well. Um, so a game that I'm playing at the moment, or a game that I've just started playing, is uh, Holding On, um, The Troubled Life of Billy Kerr, which you can probably see behind me, Antonios. Um, that's, that's a wonderful game, and I think it, it in, sort of encapsulates all the things that I really like about um, board games uh, and about games-based learning in general. So the, the premise of The Troubled Life of Billy Kerr is that um, you are a team of medical practitioners looking after a dying man, which sounds quite depressing and doesn't sound very playful. <laughs> um, 
But um, so the strategy element of that is that you have to do all of the things that you would do working in a hospital. So you take turns in being the person who's organising the shifts and you have to allocate people. You have to do a bit of resource management, allocating nurses and um, assistants and so on to this, this guy's care. The nurses have to make decisions about how they're going to care for the patient. Uh, but what really comes out of all of that um, and what is the focus of this particular game is that you get to, if you look after him properly, um, you get to talk to him and you get to find out things about him. So it's a storytelling game. And and to me, that that brings out two of the really, really powerful things about using games for learning is that they allow you to practice skills and, and, and strategic decision-making is only one of the skills, resource management is only one of the skills. Um, it's just the one that this game happens to focus on. Um, but it also allows you to unlock narrative and, and in this game, that's very, very explicit. In other games, um, the mechanics themselves, the strategic decisions you're making might be the narrative that you construct amongst yourselves. So, yes, I like games that allow you lots of scope for decision making um, and lots of scope to get feedback from your decision making to feed into future decisions. So it's like this unfolding um engine of your learning about how to how to win um but also i love games with a really really strong narrative so i think that's why i like these light strategy games because quite very many of them um do that i'm looking at i'm looking behind me now and i can see other other ones that sort of come into that category like power grid civilization not so much because that's definitely heavy strategy um, what else? Splendor, all those kinds of games are, are, the, are the ones that are probably the ones that give me the most pleasure at the moment. How about you? Yeah, I, I, I think we kind of sync on that as well. Um, I enjoy very, very much a strong narrative in games. Um, I also enjoy, uh, when it comes to narrative, I, I enjoy a lot more the development of specific characters, like, um, seeing character arcs developing and, having the choice or the number of choices that allow me to develop my own characters. Uh, so in that sense, I really, really heavily enjoy role-playing games, both video games that are role-playing games and board games that, are, uh, that have the, that kind of narrative behind them. Like, for example, uh, I was always into Dungeons & Dragons and I got back into my love for them during the pandemic when uh, there was a resurgence of... Um, People playing Dungeons and Dragons, but online in this case. So using platforms like Roll Twenty uh, or others, mostly Roll Twenty. So yeah, I, I got back into doing DMing. <laughs> yeah, I'm a happy dungeon master occasionally. Um, yeah, in general, I, I do enjoy playing roles, making decisions, having a strong narrative. So um, a video game that I play um, solo at the moment is Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So it's a wonderful video game. <laughs> uh, if you don't know about the Assassin's Creed series, it's, uh, it's, it's a very successful series of games that are uh, basically taking specific parts of real human history or mythology, and they basically de develop stories and characters from them and allow you to play and, well, develop your character by completing different quests that are related to the history or mythology of the, of the characters. And, uh, yeah. Basically, just uh, you, you complete quests, you, you kill monsters or enemies, and then you become stronger and you have more abilities and you develop your character through the narrative, always 
uh, following the narrative. So it's it's very it's very very fun to play, and uh, there's a particular reason why I play Assassin's Creed Odyssey specifically uh, is because it's it's Greek mythology, <laughs> and um, yeah, they. Uh, the Assassin's Creed series have this good habit of putting a lot of work into the entire games, uh, including all aspects, like, for example, including the uh, non-playing game characters that are around uh, and uh, the language of the games. Like, I play Odyssey and I like to just sit and listen to the background dialogues <laughs> because they, they are in ancient Greek and I understand what they're saying. And it's, it's super fun for me to just sit around and just laugh at the, 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 the sentences that I'm making and how they relate to the narrative or how they're just uh, fun conversations that seem very, very likely that they would happen in the case of, uh, in the real well, mixture of history and mythology that they're, they're following. Uh, more mythology than history, but using historical characters, I guess. So, yeah, I really enjoy a strong narrative. I, I guess you can tell. <laughs> yeah, I, I love a role-playing game, too. Yeah. And, and I'm also a keen player of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> um, yeah. Dark Elf Magic user over here. Oh, yeah. Um, have you have you played any of the sort of newer kind of genres of, of role-playing games, the more uh, tend and befriend uh, focused ones, belonging... Be- Belonging, outside belonging, no dice, no masters, all of that sort of thing. Oh, no dice of master, yeah, I've, I've, I've tried that one. Uh, one I got recently, and I haven't played yet, but I'm super eager to play because I love the the different approach, is Alice is Missing. Oh, right, yes, yes, I know that one. Yeah, I haven't played that, but I'm, I'm super motivated to play it. Like, I, I need to find a small group and just uh, make it happen. So, hey, call to audience if you want to play that. <laughs> One of my um, one of my favourite sort of games design houses that um, I, I basically buy everything as it comes up on Kickstarter um, is, is Possum Creek Games, um, and I am hoping uh, that Jay Dragon from Possum Creek Games will agree to be a guest on the podcast because I really want to to speak to them about the games that they create. Um, but those uh, so the, the titles that they have um, around the sort of belonging outside belonging, no no dice, no masters, are things like Wander Home, wonderful game where you play as uh, a character which is one of a group of uh, traveling uh, forest animals who is who are searching for their home or each of them are searching for their own home um, it's it's really very different because obviously a lot of these games have don't have some of the traditional elements of role-playing games like there's no combat system because it's not about combat it's about uh, relationships very very interesting um, another game of theirs, which um, I just received, is called Our Haunt, which is um, billed as a cosy, creepy game mm-hmm. uh, where you play as a, a one of a, a number of ghosts living together in a house, and they're trying to find out how they how they died, how they became ghosts. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, love those kinds of games. Yeah, yeah. So t- talking about guests um, and potential guests, mm-hmm. who do we who do we have coming up? Oh, we have quite a few, uh, but uh, two. Two game designers that I would like to see on the show, and uh, let's see if we get them, uh, are uh, one, uh, DM Dave, uh, who is an incredible uh, RPG adventure designer. Uh, He has a Patreon page, and uh, he's constantly, constantly writing and releasing amazing adventures for Dungeons & Dragons, uh, and some other RPGs, I think, but mostly Dungeons & Dragons. 
and yeah, it's just he's just amazing. And like a, a if there is a an episode focusing on storytelling, I think that would be the best one. <laughs> uh, and another one would be uh, Matt Leacock, uh, probably together with Matteo Menapace, because they're um, develop. That's Matt Leacock is a designer pandemic. of Pandemic, yeah, which is one of my favorite games. Uh, <laughs> Of my my all time favorite board games. It's one of the best. It's it's um, it's a bit um, complex, but once you get into it, it's 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 quite addictive. <laughs> uh, and it, it's pretty much the the staple for collaborative board game designs. Like if you, if you are a new game designer, you want to design a collaborative board game, that would be like your uh, your point of reference. Pandemic. It has an amazing system that just works perfect for for collaborative uh, game designs. So. Um, and I'd I'd love to speak to him about the legacy mechanic as well. Yeah, yes, That's something that I found really fascinating. Yeah, I recently started with a group of friends playing Legacy, and oh wow, it's so it's amazing, it's just amazing. Super strong narrative, but it's a bit upsetting. Yes, having to destroy game pieces. Yes, yeah, but at um, least it comes with I, many of them. <laughs> Yes, that's true. And one of the things that I find really fascinating is sort of getting to the games for learning aspect, which obviously Ludgoggy uh, focuses on. Is I wrote an article. Uh, some time ago now about using the legacy mechanic because I think it works really well for uh, potential learning around things like sustainability and climate change. We reach tipping points. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think the legacy mechanic is really, really good at illustrating that and how how there is no way back in some situations. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of climate change, uh, yes, Matt and Matteo, uh, they are developed in, They are developed. They they completed this. Almost. Uh, uh, Daybreak, which is a collaborative board game based on, on the climate crisis narrative. And uh, yeah, it's a, I think right now it should be already on Kickstarter. Oh, and I was a beta tester for it. Cool. So maybe we, yeah, <laughs> shout out so we can get them to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we, do have, uh, we do have our first guest lined up and I'm very, very excited about that. Um, talking about games with a strong narrative line. Um, this is the writer behind uh, World Without Oil, uh, which some of you may know. Um, it was a, something he created along with Jane McGonagall um, several years ago now, but it was groundbreaking, very groundbreaking at the time. And, it, and it's recently won a Peabody Medal um, uh, and been recognised for its amazing contribution. So World Without Oil, um, very strongly narrative-based, uh, mass participation game. Um, which um, put people in an immersive situation where we'd reach peak oil. Um, so really, really excited to uh, be welcoming Ken Eklund as our first guest, um, who is going to be here um, creating the episode for us, which ties in with the ludagogy focus of magic for the month of December. So did you want to talk a little bit about how um, the podcast is going to tie in with the focus? Yeah, that would be nice. So, uh, Ludogui Magazine, as uh, long-time readers will know, has a monthly theme in which uh, articles by game designers and uh, now the podcast will be tying into a specific theme every month. So, we'll try to be following that closely. And uh, what are the next coming themes, Sarah? So, we, uh, we've got creativity coming up at the moment, but we won't have a podcast um, to time with that, apart from this one, obviously, our introduction. So we have Magic coming up um, in December. Um, then in January, The Other, which is going to look at 
games that look at how we, we treat each other and how we think about people who are not like ourselves. Um, in February, engines. So if we're thinking about games like um, Wingspan and so on, these are engine building games. Um, and in March, transversal skills, which is all about those those kind of workplace skills like uh, critical thinking, systems thinking, and so on and so forth. So that's what we've got coming up and up until March. Cool. So we got a lot of work going on and a lot of inspiring guests coming. Yes, indeed. So speaking about inspiring guests and the monthly themes and all that, uh, why would a game designer want to be a guest in our podcast, Sarah? Well, I think it gives them a, a, a really great opportunity to talk to like-minded individuals about the work that they're doing. So obviously there's a, there's a certain element of promotion in there. But I think one of the things that I've discovered over the years um, working on Ludagogy and, and prior to that working in games-based learning is what a generous lot we really are, how much we love sharing, learning with each other, um, working together, and so on and so forth. So I'm hoping that that's what's going to be the main um, impetus for people to want to become guests, to really have that um, that that vision that we share of, of wanting to up the profile of, of games-based learning and games design generally, and to share their knowledge and their learning and their insights um, with people who love the same things that they love. So if that sounds like you... What, what, what do you need to do to get in touch with us to put yourself forward as a guest or indeed volunteer your friends? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we do have a dedicated email that you can write to, which is podcast at ludogogi.co.uk. And in the description of this episode, you will also find a direct link to a page with more information about the podcast and how you can get in touch if you want to be our next guest. Super. And how about um, if somebody wants to get in touch with you directly, if as a result of listening to this podcast, they think, here's a guy I really want to work with. How would they do that, Antonio? Well, you can also find my contact, my personal contact details in the, uh, in the page of the podcast. Yes, my, mine too, including my ever burgeoning and growing link tree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, trees are meant to grow, no? <laughs> Absolutely. Trees are meant to grow. So if you're inspired already by this and you're really eager to hear more about our future guests and all the future episodes, then have a look at the page that is linked in the description where you can also be listening to all the future episodes. And you can also search for the Ludogogi podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to your favorite podcasts. Brilliant. Well, I think that just about covers it all for now. Um... So we'll get on with planning the next few episodes. So this... This has been the Ludogogi podcast. Game, Game over. over.